this is so important, though. I was, um, to give you a couple of examples, and we're talking about this matter of uh, leadership in the church, pastoral leadership in the church. Look at these 17 qualifications of the pastor. Uh, I wish that we had time to go on. I don't think, I don't know that I'll go any further than tonight right now. We'll pick it up a little bit later. Uh, he gets to the deacon next. And, uh, and down in uh, verse number uh, verse number 8, he starts on the deacon. He said, likewise must the deacons. And so the things that we've already read are the deacon is accountable for those. And then he goes on and he adds to the list for the deacons. Deacons have, if anyone who desires to serve as a deacon, they need to meet these qualifications just like the pastor does. Can I get a witness? They're never considered in churches. In the average ordination of a deacon, I doubt if these these are even... Hey, I remember remember reading one time years ago down in Florida, church in Florida. New pastor came in, been there a little while, and he was just kind of catching up to date on everything that's going on, found out that one of the deacons in the church owned owned a, 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 a minute market that sold liquor. And uh, so he went through the appropriate measures, went to the, went to the man, said, you know, you're a deacon in the church, and, and by the way, it, it, it makes it more clear for the deacon than it even does for the pastor on uh, this matter of alcohol, and, uh, and he mentions that, uh, about that. And so, you know, we're, uh, I don't have time to read through the verses, but, uh, and even the, the deacon's wife and so on and so forth. Um, and, um, and as he... Uh, and so he went to the he went to the church, and uh, and brought it before the church and said, well, "We got to do something about that." And they did. They voted the pastor out and kept the deacon. Yeah, they did something about it. And uh, and so it's a you know we're we're accountable, we're accountable to these things. I was going to say this at the end, but I want to say this at the beginning, and just lay a little bit of a foundation. I, I went back and looked at the at the video from two weeks ago, and I made it somewhere about 13 or 14, mentioned the other three, but I, and we'll go back and look at the end of it here in just a moment. But these things are so important, or they wouldn't be in the book. And, um, and, and so it's a, it's a matter of looking at these things and realizing, as I've stated before, the man of God, he's not Superman, he's not bionic, you know, he's just regular old flesh, and blood, just like everybody else in the building. But he's held to a certain standard by the scripture that would all Christians should aspire to meet each and every one of these. I think that it would it would be good for any Christian to these 17 things that are that are here. I think that it would be important uh, for us to, you know, for us to uh, have those in our individual lives. If we're not the pastor, if we're not the ministry assistant, if we're not anybody else, we're just regular old person on the pew. There was a, and, and um, the, um, there was a church a few years ago celebrated their 150th anniversary. That's pre-Civil War. It was then and it is now. 150th anniversary. And they had a list in the newspaper. Apparently they'd kept the church clerk had kept really good records for that 150 years. And, um, 
And so they had a list of all the pastors they'd had in 150 years. And if I remember right, it was somewhere around 75 or 78 pastors they'd had. Wonderful church been around for 150 years, but to average changing pastors every two years for 150 years. Something, somebody needs to do better in either, you know, they were really bad at picking pastors or they were really bad at keeping pastors, one or the other. I don't know. I don't know what the deal was. I wasn't there. But those are the kind of things that, that, need to, that we kind of just need to highlight. It's not always that way. And I've heard of preachers uh, pastoring the same church for over 50 years. Some, uh, one recently over 60 years. And, um, but who knows? Who knows? And so, you know, those are just kind of the things. But here, here's what I wanted to say. Let me... I've been working on a message that I'll probably never preach. But, and uh, I was uh, going to give it a very simple title, Ministry by the Manual. Ministry by the Manual. That's what it's all about. This is all we have to go by. Now, I realize that there are many things that, many things that churches do. You know, there's administrative side and, and there's a, you know, the business side and all those kind of things. But when it comes down to the ministry, it must go by the manual. And uh, one of the points that I have, and I'm not going to give you the outline, but uh, uh, one of the points was that a ministry, and we don't have this in our notes, is either fundamental or it is supplemental. Just let that sink in a minute. A ministry is either built fundamentally on this book, and I don't use the word fundamental, you know, fundamental Baptist and all, it's taken on a whole different picture over the last 10 to 12 years. Our sign used to say independent, fundamental, missionary, premillennials, you know, a whole bunch of things, and we're still all those things at heart. But sometimes words change, and the meanings of words, and then when you say that you're a fundamental Baptist, they're associated with with Jim Jones and Guyana, and you're associated with uh, the guy out in, in uh, Waco and, and the wacko up in, in, in another place and here and there. And, uh, and so, you know, it's, you, but ministry is either fundamental or it is supplemental. Point number one. Anything that is outside the guidelines of this book becomes a supplement. A supplement. It's filling in for something that God intended to be something else. And that's where we are in America today. That's where we are in our churches today. We have lost being fundamental, and we have gone to supplemental. And we've got to try something. And, and when you do that, if, if you just stay with the fundamentals of the Bible, you don't have to make changes every week. You don't have to improve on anything. And, and we should aspire to do that. You know, we want to be better. We want to get better. We want to, we want to be a better church. We want to be a bigger church. We want to win more souls. We want to send out more missionaries. I, I'm, not, I'm not happy that, that most of the time over the, half, the pews in our building aren't occupied. Not, I'm not excited about that. I'd rather every single pew be uh, all the way to the back of the building, 495 people. I'd, I'd love to have that. But I don't want to become supplemental in order to do it. Not me. 
And, and I understand this. I, I realize that the generation of, pre of preachers that were, you know, I'm, 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 I'm cut out of the same cookie cutter as some of those men that were just Bible believers. And I, st I, I have a lot of that in me. And I'm very slow to change. And, and I realize, and, and I think this to be true in, in, uh, in, in, in some ways, I probably hold the church back. In some ways, I probably, I probably hold the school back in some ways because I still believe in, 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 in standards. I still, I still believe that, you know, some of the very, very fundamental standards of the Scripture and even in this day and hour, just holding tight to the King James Bible is considered kind of out there, out there. And, uh, and uh, you know, I still, I still love to sing out of the songbook. You know, we're where we are with all those kind of things. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I realize I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably a, a stumbling block sometimes. But uh, I don't plan on changing. I really don't. I, I'm slow to compromise I've, I've compromised more things than I would wish to. And, uh, and so, you know, that's... Uh, but, you know, the reality of it is your ministry is either fundamental or it's supplemental. You're giving... You're putting something into it to fill in the blanks and uh, that's just not what God desires. It creates growth. We all want growth. But is that a... Is that a is that a, a means, of the end justifies the means? And so, you know, that's, that's what you, that's, that's kind of, that's just one point. It's either fundamental or it's supplemental. You're just using filler, just using filler. Okay, all right, enough said about that. I can tell I'm not going in a good direction, but that's okay. And so, uh, when, you, when you come to these, these qualifications, and, and this is one of them. I still believe in what it says right here. I believe what it says here in regard to the qualifications of this person that we're speaking about. And, um, and so, um, and that, that doesn't set well with people in, in, in many circles. It doesn't set well in many circles. And so he has in this list, there are some things that are negative and there's some things that are positive. It kind of goes three negative, three positive, three negative. You know, it kind of goes along that, and uh, especially toward the end of it. And, um, and, and it's interesting to me that when you leave verse number one, that you don't have a period all the way down to the, to the end of verse number, of uh, I believe it's in uh, verse number six, I believe. All the way, there's a question mark along the way. But it's just one continuous thought. These things are just, they're just a sequential one right after the other. And he goes down through these things. And, uh, and, and the interesting thing to me is that when he ends with the two periods after the one in verse number one, it has something, the latter part of verse number six is that, he, that this man, the reason he needs to follow after these qualifications is so he doesn't fall into the condemnation of the devil. And then you have a period at the end of verse number 7, unless he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. That's the point of all of this. 
God is trying not to just make the man of God walk some tightrope and, and uh, no, it's not to make the man of God look like he's somebody that he's not. It's that he might in some way avoid those two things happening in his life and becoming sound and brass and tinkling cymbals. You can preach for 10, 15, 20, 35, 40, 45, 50, 60, 65, 70. You can preach for a lifetime. And at the end of that journey, the Apostle Paul, his greatest fear was not the Roman soldiers. His greatest fear was not persecution. His greatest fear was that he might become sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. That he might lose everything that he had invested in his life and ministry. So the man of God has to walk circumspectively to avoid falling into the, number one, the condemnation of the devil the condemnation of the devil. Now, that's one of two things. And you can probably help me with this if you want to. If you have a better explanation, just raise your hand. This is just teaching. This is not preaching. And so you can, you can stop me if you want to. And if you, if you have something you'd like to say in this teaching, if you have a, a, a maybe the notes in your school fill or whatever may be different. I don't have any notes in mine. And, uh, and so it's one of two things. The, the little phrase, the condemnation of the devil. What does that mean? Here's one option. Could it be the condemnation of the devil is what happened to the devil himself? He got caught up in pride. Could it be that? I don't know. I don't know. That he falls. I mean, that's in the verse, that he falls. And the devil, you know, he... he um, he comes to the place, he said, no, I'm going to ascend up above God. And he said, I'm going to ascend up above him. And, and he got a little, got a little too big for his britches and God cast him down and cast him out. The condemnation of the devil could very well be the man of God just falling into pride. Pride. You know, pride was part of the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, the... The, uh, the sodomy and all of that is just one side of the sin. The other side was pride. Was Ezekiel or Isaiah, one of the prophets, mentioned it clearly and said that this was their fall, was their pride. Well, proud of what they were doing. That's why Jesus, when, when he spoke on the latter days, he talked about, and as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, so shall it be in the day of the coming of the Son of Man. It wasn't that the, that the gay and, um, and the lesbian and all of that crowd of people with sodomites and all them, it wasn't that they were in that condition, but they were out in the streets with it. Have you noticed anything change in the last 15 or 20 years? As it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, they were out in the street with their sin just flaunting again in the face of God. And he sent fireballs from heaven and burned the whole thing up. The condemnation of the devil is pride. I heard this yesterday. I was listening, right down the road, I was listening to AFT. The preacher was preaching on there and he, and he was talking something along this line. I don't know if he's preaching or teaching. But he, but he had something to say about uh, flattery. You know, flattery is, is kind of a, is, is kind of a, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's part of the initiation process for us getting proud and building up in pride. That's just part of what we go through. 
people start flattering you. Here's what, he's, here's what the preacher on the radio said. This is not mine now, but it's good. He said that flat, uh, flattery is like fine perfume. He said it's pleasing to the nose, but it's nauseating to the mouth. He said it's really good to smell perfume, but he said it's nasty to the taste. We have to be careful about pride. Have you ever kissed your wife on the neck after she put perfume over there or something, you know? I mean, it smells so good, and then you kiss him. That's the way pride is. That's the way pride is. You don't kiss your wife? There's where I need to be. There's where I need to be. It's easy to find out where you need to preach around here. And so be mindful of that. I'm just giving you a little, uh, some little summary notes. And, uh, and so it is the condemnation of the devil. That's the reason that he needs to be these things that, that the Scripture outlines. God's not trying to make him some kind of a superman. He's not trying to put him in some kind of a framework. He's trying to protect him from falling into the condemnation of the devil, and I know so many who have. And you know, in the eyes of the devil tonight, the difference between those that have fallen into the pride and the condemnation of the devil and you and me in the devil's mind is he doesn't have you yet. And you know who he wants to get more than he wants to get anybody else? He wants to get the one up here. That's why you have to pray for your pastor. That's why you have to pray for your pastor. Pastors go through the same thing that everybody, God doesn't, you know, there's not one set of rules for the things that, that, the, that the pastor is um, uh, tempted with and another set of rules for the things that all the other people are tempted with. We all face the same temptations. The ones that are common unto man. And so therefore, in order to keep that man of God from falling into that condemnation, you need to pray for him. You need to support him. You need to, well, that's not what I'm preaching about. And so here's the other one. The other one could be uh, accusation. Condemnation of the devil could be the uh, falling into the pride that he fell into. And then, of course, the accusations for and against, by and against him. One of the things that you have to be careful of in the ministry is the appearance of evil. The appearance of evil. I've had, I've had guidelines and rules for my ministry. I'm telling you things that, that you know, are just me. I don't, I don't meet with women alone. I know pastors that do. And it is rare if, if I like what uh, a preacher friend of mine said about it. He said, I don't hug any female that's, that's over 8 and under 80. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. Un, over 8 and under 80. I think that's a pretty good rule to go by. I don't meet with, if, if, if a woman wants to talk to me, either we'll do it where the cameras are, if it's about school or something along that line, if it's more personal than that, my wife meets with us. I've been doing it, I didn't start it this week or last week or the week before. I started that maybe 40 years ago. Maybe 40 years ago. Accusation. You don't have to be guilty, you have to be accused. And it happens. 
And it happens. It happens both ways. Some are guilty and some are just accused. If you were to look on the contact list on my phone last night, you'll find very few females on there. Usually it'll be the school staff and one or two of our senior ladies, our senior ladies. I may have two or three of those on there. The condemnation of the devil. God's. I know a lot of men, a lot of men that are better preachers, better pastors, better students, better scholars, better preachers, teachers, visitors, soul winners than I am, who got careless. Can I talk to you? Will you listen to me? It is a, this walk of, of the pastor it can, be, it can be a challenge. That's why God has such high regard for the, for the position of the pastor, the man of God, and so on. And, you know, and, and then he mentions at the end of verse number 7, if that's not enough, condemnation of the devil, the snare of the devil. You know what a snare is? You do. It's a trap. The trap of the devil. It's mentioned that seven, eight, nine, ten times in the Bible. I preach a whole message on that. And uh, the reason God wants us to fish with a, with a net, not with a pole, the devil's using a net. You remember that? Use the example. I have the net and the pole and all up here on the stage. You know, the devil wants you to fall into a trap. And he sets the traps out there, and they are out there. <laughs> Can I tell you this? Many, many years ago, I was younger. I don't think I was any more handsome than I am now, and no, I'm just kidding. And a uh, young woman came into our ministry. This is when I was still in Lakeland. And, uh, <laughs> and this is just kind of a funny little story. Don't make anything out of it. But she, we were at some kind of little church get-together, and she came over and she said, I've been hurting in my shoulder. Pastor Orr, would you pull on my arm? My wife walked up and said, I'll pull your arm. Be glad to pull your arm. Can you imagine that little woman being that feisty? I'll pull. I think she wanted to pull her hair is what she wanted to pull. The trap. Traps of the world. The traps. And, and you fall into the traps. Traps are set for, for the, the, the weak prey. And traps are set for the vulnerable. And, and traps are set for the careless. So it is, behooves the man of God to be careful every step of the way. Never let the guard down. Always being mindful that you could fall into the condemnation of the devil, his accusations, his pride, or you could fall into his snare, his trap. I, I just, I don't know, I just felt like preaching all that. I really did. And so that's kind of the basis of the things that we've talked about. Let's look at them for just a moment and, and we'll pray. Uh, we looked at uh, the bishop, verse number two. He, verse number one, we looked at desire. Uh, verse number two, we looked at blameless. The husband of how many wives? Yeah, you got it right. He must be vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given the hospitality. I don't, I don't think a... Define that one very well. 
I think that that one part of the word, and I took a lot of time, looked at the etymology of the word hospitality, where it came from, its Latin derivative, and, and how we got it, and, and, the, and the ways that we use it. But the word that I found that best describes a pastor in hospitality, I like that. He loves and serves people. But here's, here's the word. He's approachable. He's approachable. That's important. That was important to me when I first got saved, Brother Wayne. It was important to me that, that the pastor of the church, that I could go right up to him. And uh, I mean, he was like the Pope to me. You know, I mean, they were like walking up before the Pope. I'm just kidding. He didn't present himself that way. But I learned a lot of lessons from that. You must be... I know pastors... And I'm not, I'm, I'm just, I'm not tearing anybody down. I'm not building anybody up. I, I, know, I know preachers that come in after the choir sings, walk up on the stage, they come up and they do their thing. When the service is over, they're gone. You got to be approachable. The word hospitality. We also looked, if we could, uh, moving on, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, uh, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children into subjection with all gravity. That is uh, uh, honesty and, and reality. Building, building a family on, on the principles of there's some... There's some negatives in life. There's some positives in life. Not just, not just telling your kids all the things they can't do, but give them something to do. Give them something to do. It's balance. It's balance at best. For if man not know how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? I know this is old, archaic Language, we don't like to use it in our homes. We don't like the, if you used out in public the word submission and subjection and all those kind of things and, and related it to the husband and wife situation, you'd be run out of town. Not a novice, being, as less being lifted up with pride, he fall into the commendation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without and uh, lest he fall in, into reproach and the snare of the devil. Then he goes on into the deacons. And so we went through all those. We looked at them. Uh, we looked at them uh, uh, not necessarily at length. Uh, we discussed them all the way down through being covetous. We talked about how that uh, it doesn't have to be money. It can be popularity. It can be fame. It can be advancement. It can be glory and flattery and all those kind of things. Uh, one that ruleth well his own house, that means he governs his house. Government, uh, temperance is government. He, in a temperate way, he governs his house. A lot of people ought not to be a daddy. There's a lot of people ought not bring children into the world. A lot, lot, lot of people ought not try to be a mother. It's a tremendous responsibility to be a parent. And, uh, and that's what he's saying in this passage of Scripture. You take care. You take care, and you rule, and you take care. It's leadership through love and truth and, and, the, and order and God's order. Not a novice. Age does not guarantee maturity. And uh, 
than of a good report of them that are without. It's a reputation in the church community, but also a reputation, reputation in the community. There are so many things that I wish that I could, I could share with you about the preacher, about the man of God. And may the Lord allow me to do so. You know, there's times that in the ministry that, that uh, you feel alone. There's times in the ministry that, uh, that you feel, uh, is it unsuccessful? You know, you, you feel like you're a failure. You go through all those things in ministry like you do in your life. There's times in the, in the ministry that uh, I'm not talking about clinical depression or anything along that line. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the thing that sometimes you get, you know what I like to call it? The Baptist blues. I've never said that before, but that's what I call it. You get the, you get the blues. Have you ever had the blues? Don't raise your hand, please. You would make my, my sermon to validate it if you raised your hand. I'm not talking about, you know, that you're seeing a psychiatrist, you're not clinically depressed, you're not taking medication for it. You just get the blues. Sometimes the man of God. You need to be sensitive to the man of God like he's sensitive to you. You need to understand that he puts his shoes on, laces them up the same way that every other man in the church does. You may be here forever. You may, you may wind up somewhere else. And so I'm just telling you some of the secrets so you can love your pastor. It's amazing. It, it's amazing how joyful it is to be pastor here. But it's not that way everywhere from what I hear. From what I hear. And so, thus be the qualifications of the pastor. Keep them in mind. One day, you may very well have to choose. Lord may come, who knows? Uh, but you need, to, you need to be mindful of what to look for when that time comes. Would you stand with us for prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the privilege to share these verses, to share these testimonies. Our Lord, to, to share my heart with these good people. Thank you, Father, for them. I pray that you would bless them. Lord, give us wisdom and knowledge, Lord, of what this word has to say in these important matters. Lord, bless now and have your way. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. While these are praying, whatever you need to pray about tonight, I know there's heavy burdens in this building tonight.